spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys andy and spoken label back in the house on a tuesday night i had visions then for a minute we're on zoom tonight when my bloody computer is about to go down again and i've had issues of this last couple of days so Hopefully, the gentleman I got with me today will be very patient. I'm sure he is. He's a lovely, lovely guy. Met him back in the last year, I believe it was, for, for Speakeasy. And he was fantastic. He really, really was. I'm not even going to tell you his name. Come, can keep you in anticipation for a minute. But he's originally from the Glossop area, now living in Salford. So he's perfect. Local writer. He's brilliant. Mr. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell them obviously who you are. Tell us, obviously, I know you said you're from Glossop originally, but you're now living in Salford. So give us a bit of a background about yourself, and we'll start from there. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, so my name's Colleen Wood. I'm um, a spoken word performer slash poet from Salford, uh, originally from Glossop in the hills. I lived in the hills outside Glossop. I moved to Manchester when I was 18, and I've been here and there, in and around Manchester and Salford ever since. I'm 33 now, so that's nearly half my life, or, or more than half my life. You don't look at me. You don't. You don't look at me. I don't know you down that old, mate. <laughs> it is, Andy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, I sp- spoken spoken word slash poet. Uh, spoken word performer slash poet. Um, I, sp- I suppose it originally came as a frustrated musician. I was in a band for quite a long time. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, uh, did did the band not go very far? Did they all? <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? You could say that. It, it, geographically, no, not really. And and I suppose in terms of success, not really either. Yeah, well, I've done a few bands over the years, and some I've done better than others. <laughs> That's the best way of putting it. So, I mean, I know what you mean. So, there was it, and then a natural transgression from obviously music then into the poetry circuit. I suppose I, I used to. I suppose I used to write all the songs. So, not musically, but I wrote all the lyrics. Um, mm. And I'd always, I'd always written. I've always done. You know, I've, I've like half written novels. Uh, always written little stories. Always, it's always been like a, a a passion and a skill of mine, and it's sort of converted into this when there was no musical outlet for it. Um, you know, when there was no band to play with, I still I still wanted to and still needed to, you know, make these things heard, write these things down, and um, I actually quite like the the control that I've got over it. You know, I don't have to rely on three other people; I can just do it myself. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been abandoning myself like that before. It's, I think when you jump from one, doing one genre to do like you've done with your poetry now, I think mean, you've got the control that you can, it's almost like you're captain of your own ship, really, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah. straight away. We, I know you've been doing this for a few years as well, because I know we only met at the back end of last year, I believe yeah. it was. But I know you've at least been active in 2020, weren't you? Because I've seen the video of you online from about just under 18 months ago. So yeah. when did you first start performing your poetry? Um, I would say that it was it was pre it was pre COVID. Um, hmm. Probably two or three open mic nights before then, and then a couple of nights when I was booked, hmm. uh, and then obviously COVID hit, and so it, th- then from then on it was mostly videos that I was that I was able to share. I was quite fortunate though. I shared a video um, just of me in my car re- recite, reciting or, or speaking or performing a poem. And um, a couple of guys who were uh, videographers actually from, uh, they were living in Manchester, but they were from Estonia originally. They oh, got, wow. Yeah. So they, they got in touch and said that they wanted to make a couple of videos. And I was quite, you know, a bit skeptical at first, like, you know, what's in it for you sort of thing. But um, they were the, they were top, top guys. Their, their company was Sever Productions, Sever Film Productions, um, Dima Kalenda and Dennis Gimbikis. And they put together a series of films that we shot around uh, around the Worsley and Salford area of me reading my poetry just with, with some amazing uh, videography and uh, lighting. And it, it just made me look 10 times better than I actually am. But, <laughs> but it was, it, uh, that was, I suppose, a nice way of being able to still perform throughout, you know, when the pubs were closed, when venues were closed, I was able to get it out via social media on, on that video. Oh, brilliant. Well done, mate. Well done. I know what you mean. It's like it's a fu- been a funny time, really, hasn't it? Because well, obviously like, with all the venues shut, shut what, for good 18 months, really, weren't they? So did yeah. you actually uh, participate in any of the Zoom poetry readings, did you? I didn't, and, and no offence to... This hmm. this all set up tonight, but I'm not a big fan of Zoom. Part of my work involves Zoom, so I try and you know hmm. in terms of things that are you know passions and uh, evenings. I try and keep off Zoom as much as possible. But for for your um, podcast, Andy, I'm prepared to make an exception. Thank you. I'm very honoured, mate. Oh, you go. I'll be honest. I don't treat this as a proper poetry reading. Anyway, I treat it as like a chat between two friends, really, even though yeah. we only met once. <laughs> and then like, I encourage you to read a few pieces out in the second half. So, no, I spent, I'm very, I'm very honoured, mate. But what you said about about um, a chat between two friends, I find that all those um, open mic nights and the readings around Manchester, it doesn't take long before you get to know people and before you do call them friends. You know, there's loads of people. It's, oh, it's, so, it's, it's so many. There's so many, good, there's so many good poets out there great people as well yeah. like yeah I, I know loads i know absolutely loads in it and i guess and what what's been your favorite venue so far to perform at that of interest and have you had any favorites so far i love dulcimer for your for your night i think my, my favorite has probably been a toss-up between i did i did a punkin drublick night at uh, lock 91 on dean's gate yeah and I did one at the uh the king's arms uh, for for verbose an open mic there and that that venue is just amazing like really high ceilings and old you know an old sort of setting so I'd, yeah I'd it's very very king's arms are very very old-fashioned sort of pub that's why yeah. so yeah i've done gigs in there not necessarily for the boats so i've done gigs in them so over the years so yeah, yeah. it's a great venue yeah, i've not i've not i've not been down to the deans go on locks locks 91 was it he said i know where it yeah. is so yeah. the, i think um punk and dribblick have, um, have moved around lots of different places but when i did it lot 91 it was it was it was down. It was downstairs. It was just like a, a, a really cool sort of setting, like old wooden mm. chair. Not very wow. comfy. To, not, not very comfy to sit in. But, oh, yeah. um, 
it was a it was a nice night. It was a nice night. Oh yeah, tell us a bit more about your poetry itself. Then, obviously, when you were obviously saying you're you've been leading into it, has there been any writers that have really influenced you, or any reoccurring themes in it? Is my best way to put it. Do you, do you know what? I don't. I don't particularly think that there are. It's it's it stems from a lot of it is to do with uh, some some of it's quite negative, unfortunately, but it's, it's to do with you know the world how it mm. is now, and the world that my two daughters will likely inherit, um, which is sometimes a little bit not negative but not particularly hopeful maybe and I try to end them with a little, of positive, a little bit of positivity and a little bit of hopefulness um, and then there's also some of it it's quite I'm quite an angry man inside sometimes Andy and some of it's quite scathing politically and a bit you know uh, maybe even a little bit aggressive when we, when we were in a band my sort of style was quite uh, was quite aggressive and quite you know in, in your face and that's in some ways not always some of them can be quite, you know, a little bit more soft, but in, in some ways it, that style has moved across into the spoken word performance as well. Yeah, um, I get you on about it. Obviously, I've seen you and I've seen your videos, and yeah, and you are, you, you, what you do, you're like a, I mean, you're like a gunslinger, fight, fight, firing from the hips, basically, <laughs> all your emotions. Oh, I'll say that. That's, I like that, a gunslinger. But it is really, because you're going bang, bang, aren't you? You're probably loads of. In terms, in terms of the the form though the, you know, mm. when I'm writing not really a, a particular form and the rhymes the rhymes mm. always come just where they, where the, where is the natural place them to come I don't set, I don't sit down and plan to write you know to make an ABAB poem I just talk see how it sounds if a rhyme comes naturally then the rhyme comes naturally and if the rhyme takes a little bit longer to get to then it just depends how quickly I speak and so sometimes I find that if people were to read the poems written down, they wouldn't sound the same as they sound when I read when I say them, because they're not able to, you know, to sort of pick up where the where the line is supposed to be said a certain way. Um, I'm not don't know if I've explained that very well, but I think yeah, that's no, the power I got you, I got you. Man. <laughs> I think that's the power of the of, of actually performing it and actually speaking it, you know, as opposed to reading it. Um, yeah. I think, and I think that's why open mic nights like the ones that you've put on and the ones that are all that are on all around Manchester and Salford and everywhere um, are really really important because. People get to hear the poems as they're intended to be heard. Yeah, do we see? It's very. I mean, doing what you're doing in the spoken word nights. They're right. It's almost like a storytelling night, basically. I didn't find like yeah. you match off sat an old campfire a thousand years ago doing something very similar <laughs> in, a, in a somewhat different, but different venue, of course. But yeah, yeah. no, I agree with you completely. That man, oh, brilliant with it. So, what was your first night you ever read up? Um, yeah, so it was a night. It called. It was a night called Rufus. No, it wasn't. It was a night called Lovely Words at Rufus. Oh, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In Presswich, probably three years ago, maybe something like that. Danny, um, oh, yeah. Danny Murphy's night, isn't it? I'm Danny not sure. About, I'm not sure that night's still going, actually. Yeah, Danny's lovely, lovely guy. So, yeah, that was a good night. And actually, Rob, Rob Stevenson was there who does Punk in Drublick. And it was the first time I'd, I'd obviously got up to do spoken word in that sort of way. And I sat down afterwards, and Rob sent me a little handwritten note across the table. And it was it was really nice because I opened it up and it said you were great, fancy coming to Punk and Drublick, and I was just like, you know, that just shows you how supportive it is. You know that someone had seen that, written a little note, scribbled it, and sent it across the table. And I was just, I thought that was that was top. Yeah, no, I think it's a great way as a poet. It's your first time up, like it's the first time was always the worst. I find whether you've been in a band before, you're doing something new, aren't you? And it's like yeah. to get that sort of encouragement straight away. For you. I think it's, it's really really important. No, it was I agree with you. Really completely not, mate. Do you have any sort of ideas where you where would you like yourself? To, where could you see yourself being in eighteen months' time? If, say, for example, yeah, I, if we're not if we're not gone back down the lockdown again, yeah. 
I'd love I'd love to be able to do this um not you know not for full-time employment but I'd love to be able to do this more often to do it you know regular evenings to be booked in certain places um to maybe do festivals in the summer uh, all that sort of stuff it just just to just to perform it and I suppose to keep getting that buzz from performing it in new places with new people um that's that's the sort of loose aim there's no like fixed goal the loose aim is to just do it as much as possible to keep writing to keep doing new things and you know keep meeting new people and you know it's not just not just saying what i'm saying but listening to what they're saying as well because i think there's a lot of um sometimes there's a lot of emphasis on me 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 but actually those nights when you just get four or five minutes to do something that's your four or five minutes but there's two other hours where there's other people saying you know do you know what i mean the same what they want to say yeah, so, yeah yeah no i agree agree with you completely have you found an obviously with you being obviously fairly active now obviously things are opening up again and have you found how has your work changed much giving the direction did you say started this i feel like as, as i've done it more often and i've gauged the reaction i feel like i've ch I've changed slightly in in my style so like i said before about like the gunslinger style mm. uh, that's still there, but I maybe linger a little bit longer on certain words for you know to, for impact, um, and or I'll um, put put extra emphasis on a rhyme that's you know that's had a particular reaction. Mm. And so I, 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 taking that feedback from audiences and from what people say, it really shapes the next one that you do, and I think that 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 can only improve it as well. You know, if you if you if you respond to what people have said or to where people have laughed or to where people have you know clicked because i know that that sometimes happens um i don't understand that myself but i appreciate it when they do and if you respond to that um then it changes the next performance of it and then each one it's never the same because each one you're responding to not just the audience that are there but to the previous audiences that you've had uh, knowing what you know what's worked what hasn't worked all that sort of stuff i'm always believing that sort of thing where i've got i've been i've done it myself in time where you've actually been trying new poems out and you might go on to your next gig and the one after, and say half a dozen gigs later, the piece might be radically different to the way it was when it first started. Yeah, yeah. I think everything is a learning process, particularly when you try to perform it like that. You know, go either gunslinger or storyteller mode, whatever you read, or you approach it. I think it's pieces evolve naturally sometimes to do. Yeah, I'm going to nick, nick that gunslinger, I think. <laughs> well, if you want me to, then you can put a quote from Andy N says, Gulling and Wood, the best gunslinger with words in Manchester. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, Mike. Well, to be honest with you, that's pretty well covered on questions anyway. So what I want, I want to spend most of the time today with you to get you into some peace samples in the second okay. half. Now, if people want to find out more about you, say, for example, they want to contact you, what's the best method? Um, I would say that I've not got um, a spoken word or poet performer page up on Facebook. I've not got a spoken word or performer page instant, you know, website. Mm. Um, just say just to look out over, over the um, open mic nights and spoken word nights that are coming up over the next couple of months because I'm booked onto quite a few. Um, and I feel like coming to see it is the best way and then having a chat afterwards is the best way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Fair play, mate. And if people want to get hold of your bookings, they can always drop me a message and I'll pass any message on. So that's fine with me, mate. So, all right, mate. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, we'll take a quick break, everybody, then. And we'll let Colin, Colin get ready for us. And he's going to do a few pieces in the second half. See you soon.
spoken mate okay so the the first one i'm going to do is it's pretty self-explanatory it's called stop watching the news stop watching the news it's bad for your health you don't need the BBC to educate yourself. Sky only lie and CNN chap your macker. Russia today is about as much use as an empty maraca. Give it a shake and it won't make a sound about the FTSE 100 or the rate of the pound. When I first heard of the idea, I thought it was crazy that not watching the news was apathetic and lazy. Well, I gave it a go and then whoops a daisy. I felt better. I no longer felt stressed. I no longer felt depressed. I no longer struggled to get myself dressed in the morning. Honestly, there's far more productive things to do, like watching paint dry or sticking your fingers together with glue and both of those things will do so much more for you than watching the news. If it's something important like a war, then I'll tell you. If I need to warn you about a storm, then I'll bell you because you don't need to believe all the stuff that they sell you and finally succumb to the blues. Stop watching the news. The second one, ironically, uh, starts with the line, um, I was watching the news. So, <laughs> oh, I like that. That's symmetry and a half. That one, mate, straight away. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go for that one now. So, it's, it was, I was watching the news today. I was watching the news today, and it was all about a terrorist attack. When the girls came into the room, and then I had to turn it back onto the cartoons they'd been watching just a half an hour before. And I don't think they saw anything, but I can't be absolutely sure that they didn't see the body bags and the bloody rags strewn out across the pavement. Or the other story before it about the DWP missing payments to a pensioner who'd worked all her life to end up skin. And I'm sorry, but how can a clerical error possibly ever lead into someone to jump into a quarry? Well, it did, I'm afraid, and that's a fact, and someone has to protest. Because the party line is hardly fine when they barely even confess that in the age of the computer, when the internet runs a system, that an old lady can't pay her bills and see her family again to kiss them and say goodbye for one last time and wish that things were better. And so they'll cry and wonder why as they read aloud the letter that she wrote before she chose to take herself off to meet her maker. And in that note, she calmly spoke about the blokes that came to take her television and her decision that she took up with great deliberation. And the apology that followed the event is no commiseration, but in the grand scheme of things, is it all that significant? When the hackers reveal massacres of the infirm and of the innocent that occur across the earth on an almost daily basis, only confined to all mankind, to all religions and all races. So I grab hold of the remote and I turn the cartoons off with urgency. And we sit together in silence and hear of murder and insurgencies, look at the faces of the racists as they climb up onto their podium. And even though the girls beg me to turn it back to Nickelodeon, I refuse because I choose to let them make up their own minds about how a court can ask a jury to say whether they find a molester, a protester, a robber, or a saviour. Guilty or not, the sentence they got will be half a good behaviour and they'll be out without a doubt before the girls even left school. This is the world. This is it, girls. And I'll make sure that you're nobody's fool and to think of the MP's policies and what they promised me or with the paper they are written on. And so the question is suggesting after I have long been and gone so that when someone or no one gets up to face a pantomime panel, they'll watch it before they turn it over to the Disney Channel because to be ignorant is one thing, to be absent is quite another. And if we educate the young, there's half a chance we might recover from the incoherent lack of action that spread like HIV and AIDS and the spirit and the passion will live on after the hate in me fades because hate is a powerful emotion, yeah, but it's only half as strong as hope. And we can only give them an... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we, we, we fucked it up at the end there. And, uh, <laughs> do you want to read? Do you want to do you want to redo the full piece again, mate, or what? It's up to you. Do you know? Do you know what? No, not really. I'll um, I'll just do the last line. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I can, I'll do some editing for you. Okay. You I'll just <laughs> oh. do the last. Line, okay? okay. So let me remember what it is. Hate is a powerful emotion, yeah, but it's only half as strong as hope. And we can only set the wheels in motion if we give them another rope to string a few senses together and do more than we ever thought we could. And then they'll have learned their lessons, yeah, like every daughter should. 
Tremendous, mate. Now yeah. I've got to I've got to ask you something we didn't touch an interview before was particularly the oh, first yeah. two pieces. It's obviously like I know you do at the time I met you, you do all your pieces of a memory. Do you find yeah. is it quite hard to memorize your pieces? I suppose in the first instance, yeah, but then it, as soon as you've got it, although that might be the perfect example, I got to the end of a two and a half minute piece and then balls it up. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know, I, I like to do it like that because I like to make sure that I'm looking at people when I'm, you know, when I'm saying it, not to scare no. them. Because I'm a <laughs> you don't scare me, mate. I'm, I'm too old for that. <laughs> Just because that's the, the, the way that I like to do it. Um, I no. feel like there's more of a connection that way. No, it's fair play. I think it, I think it does... People, I, in my case, I can't do it. I'm dyslexic, so I've got no chance of memorising pieces. But your case, is, it works your persona, you as a person, straight away, I can see that. So good stuff, mate. Yeah. Okay. Like you just what? saw, it goes wrong at the end. Yeah, <laughs> occasionally happens. And the way I look at it, mate, you're only human, aren't we? So, <laughs> Okay, mate, on to number three then. Okay. Um, so the next one is one of the first ones that I recorded, um, and it's quite an emotional one for me because it's about an issue that I had with my back for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and it's still, still going on really, but a lot, a lot of people relate to it in a different way. Uh, and it's called, there's a dog barking. There's a dog barking at the end of our street and she swears that she can't hear it. There's the East Lanks and the motorway and even they don't come near it in terms of deafening me and threatening me and making me close the curtain. It's confusing at times, like I'm choosing to mind, but I know it. And I'm certain that there's a dog barking at the end of our street and I can hear it in the nighttime. It always starts up and it never shuts up. And even though there's never a right time, it is an aggravating bark and it is an agitating stark contrast to the noise and the fuss that I used to hear, to the hum and the buzz that I used to fear when I couldn't hear that fucking dog barking. And I don't remember it starting. It was way before I moved over here. I've been hearing it now for five fucking years. And so the bastard must have followed me. And the noise has somehow hollowed me out of the person that I was into a living, breathing shell. And a passerby with the naked eye would never be able to tell that all I can hear is a barking dog on repeat, on snooze, on silent. And all I can think of when I hear that dog is of defeat or to lose and to be violent. There's a dog barking at the end of our street and it hasn't got a lead on. It won't come out of the gate and it hasn't got out to feed on. So I go into the street to give it something to eat. But just as I call it to come, the volume will drop and the barking will stop. And I have to think of some other thing to complain about, some other thing to be in pain about. Because I realise life's a drain without the thing I go fucking insane without and couldn't possibly be claimed without is that fucking dog barking. It's louder than a bin lorry parking. It's more piercing than its claws that could stab me. And from the first minute I heard it, it had me right where it wanted me to be. Pinned up in the corner for everyone to see. It's that lad who is a dog that no one else is. You must be mad to wear a dog when there are no dogs near. But there's a dog barking at the end of our street. I swear down, I'm telling you, there is. Oh, we've got that where we live in a minute. Because um, there's a time rack I could really relate to that because we've got a dog that goes off about three in the bloody morning sometimes. <laughs> it's a literal one. Literally yes, dog. a literal one, yeah. There's not ours. It's a growing block of like a block of flats and yeah. a dog on the uh, two streets down where I work to where he is and they shove him out at two in the morning. He makes a right oh, racket, he does. <laughs> Anyway, mate, brilliant, brilliant stuff anyway, mate. It's like we're, I could relate to that. <laughs> okay, mate. On to the big conclusion, as I always say. So, yeah, this one is um, it's a poem called Just What on Earth? And it sums up what I was saying about how a lot of my poetry is for my two children, my two little girls, and, and the world that they will inherit. And hopefully the message will come across um, from, the, from the words. It's called Just What on Earth? Just what on earth will I tell my girls when they're 24 and 19? 
about the way we've left the world for them and about the things they might have seen. When they're queuing up at the food bank or at the fountain for a drink, how will I explain it no matter what? We never took the time to think that you'd be meeting driving cars with things we could have done without. And even at breaking point, the point of realisation, we carried on and on in doubt of all the sceptics with their septic tanks, full to bursting point with nonsense. And how we trusted them is trusted and we misjudged it in more than one sense because it's double and it's triple. It's four times worse than we thought. And at my age, we can't blame ignorance because when we were at school, it taught us about the forests and the ozone and the greenhouse gas effects, about the oil and the dodo and the way nature selects the rich ones from the poor ones and washes them all out with a wave. Or is it the weak ones from the strong ones and it's only the money that can save us from the disasters that their masters from overseas were underneath? And that the ones sent to save us were the ones sent to bring relief from the cholera and the chlorine that half the world's have to drink, while the other half are even less pretend that no one's on the brink of a precipice, a bottomless pit, or on the tip of a floating block of ice that hides beneath the surface. You don't see it unless you look twice, but twice is two times too many when your smartphone starts to ping. And we're hashtagging with a cash bagging that we're all about to bring an end to homelessness and hostilities with a free meal and a warm embrace. When we should have been armed to the teeth and engaged in a barefoot fucking race from Manchester down the M6 straight to London in our drove to drive out the cockroaches to string up Michael Gove. But we didn't do it, sweethearts, because we had to go to work. And so the planet's on its arse and the weather's gone berserk. But the fracking has just started. So we might all be warm soon as the riches of the bitches and the bastards move to the moon to create a new haven for the depraved and the emotionally bereft. And we escape civilization whilst the rest of us are left back on this planet that we inhabit and use as our dumping ground. And we'll wait with bated breath until we hear the thumping sound of the missiles and the virile chants of hatred and of war. And we'll lift our heads above the parapet like we should have done before to see your cousins by the dozens and your mum's good looking mate fall by the wayside. And when they've died, well, we'll know it's too fucking late. Yeah, great, great conclusion, mate. Wow, I, I would have had no chance of memorizing all that brilliant stuff, mate. So, <laughs> tremendous, mate. I've really enjoyed it today, mate. So, thank you again, mate, for that. Hang around because I do need to quit with the off microphone anyway. So, we'll stop recording now, everybody. And as Don Callis says up Impact Wrestling, stay safe and stay over. We'll see you all next time. Spoken, mate.